if we would get more involved and educate ourselves on the issues, understanding uh, some of the issues, our people, I think, would respect us more, that we really live in the real world and that we have common sense. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative. Today, Pastor Maisel Duncan, host of the Patriot Pastor Show on Nuga Radio 92.7 FM, joins us to discuss conservative media at the state and local level and why Christians should engage in politics and culture. Maisel Duncan is a Chattanooga native where he graduated from Red Bank High School. Later, Duncan attended ETSU where he double majored in sociology and communications. He received his Master's of Divinity at Mid-American Seminary. He founded Championship Ministries in 1991, an organization that invests a significant amount of time and energy addressing the issues of homelessness in the Chattanooga area through food pantry distribution. He currently pastors his congregation at Apison Baptist Church. Maisel, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Brandon. I'm a big fan. I like uh, like your stuff. Well, you and three other people, so I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad I've got I've got at least a third of my listening audience on here today. Uh, so, Maisel, talk a little bit about you know what led you to start uh, the Patriot Pastor Show when so many church leaders uh, insist that Christians should stay out of politics or in many cases just culture in general. Well, you know. Um... When I served in Texas uh, under Dr. Rick Scarborough, I was his youth pastor. He had a thing called Vision America. And I got to meet Dr. Jerry Falwell and some other um, pastors that um, talked to some of us young guys and said, you know, if we're going to be salt and light and help preserve the culture, that's part of what salt is. It's a preservative. We can't be afraid of the tough parts of, um, of ministry. And I never tell folks how to vote. I just remind folks to vote. And I try to make politicians and folks that are influencers in the community, uh, let them know that we pray for them, but that our voices count too. So it was kind of through that mentoring. And as I've become a, a more seasoned pastor myself, uh, I just feel they need help too. They're, they're not bad people. Politicians, um, um, if the church continues to give them the Heisman, you know, and backs away, uh, they don't have, uh, they don't, they, all they have is then the special interest groups and the vocal uh, folks, and they, they feel like we don't really care. And that's the, uh, that's the misnomer. I think a lot of pastors don't realize by not engaging them and befriending them, praying with them, um, they just assume our silence is agreement, and it's not. No, uh, we've we've watched a um, a lot of things in our culture and in our churches change because people will not address those issues. Where you know when you look in the Bible, like the prophets were never afraid to address cultural or political issues. I mean, they were in the thick of it continually and constantly. Uh, Jesus uh, addressed a lot of that himself. Uh, many of the many of the apostles later had to do similar things. So I think it's unusual um, that, that the church has, has gotten completely out of, in many cases, uh, the political or the cultural realms, and they've just kind of insulated themselves uh, apart from culture. And as culture has moved on, it's, it's, it's made it a lot less friendly place to be a Christian in the United States when it used to be exactly the opposite. 
And so that's probably a lot of how we got into this, which leads me to my next question. Uh, it seems that the church is in trouble in America, and there are some dangerous influences making their way uh, through the church. I've heard my pastor speak about this. I've heard many uh, pastors that, that engage in culture and politics talk about this, uh, and even through mainstream denominations. Uh, what are you seeing that's going on in, in these mainstream denominations that is um, causing maybe the, the faithful to wobble a little bit, and maybe, maybe we're not reaching as many people because of these influences? That's, um, I tell you, the thing that, that I think we're getting away from is what our, our real job is. And as a pastor, my job is to, to encourage, to inform and disciple. Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's, that's number one. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? You remember? Love God. And he said, but by the way, love others. So that's kind of our, our mandate. But if you're going to disciple and train someone, that means you need to disciple, in my opinion, and train them in all aspects of life. The church, I think, got so inward focused. And if you go look at the history, when we started building buildings, there's an old slogan called Together We Build from the 80s and 90s. And when churches started focusing on the facilities and not being a facilitator, what we did is we took our eyes off the ball. And, and most pastors, if you're out there, pastor, tell me if you don't agree. You get around a bunch of pastors and they ask you about the ABCs. How's your attendance? How's your baptisms? And how's your cash? How's the offering? We measure success by numbers. And that's not, I don't think that's what Jesus wanted us to do. Your attendance is going to go up and down. Your baptisms will go up and down. And your finances. If a pastor's listening to me and you're having an off season, as far as numbers go, that doesn't make you a failure because Jesus even looked at his disciples once when it said everyone left him. He said, are you going to leave me as well? Uh, we're to be faithful. We're not called to be popular. And that's the problem. A lot of guys worry about everyone liking them instead of, you know, and not that I, I want to alienate, but at the end of the day, I want to hear well done, thou, well done, thou good and faithful one from Jesus, um, not from Facebook land or from Twitter world. I think that is that is an interesting uh, take, and I think it's accurate. Um, it seems like if, if and when you preach the gospel and if and when you declare that from the way that Jesus wants you to, all the other problems tend to take care of themselves. It's when you, you get off track that I think that we have uh, problems. You know, I've... I've seen a lot, and I, I must admit, this is not my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is just state politics, primarily our, our primary beat is the legislature. Um, and what and goes you keep on me, is... You keep me educated, by the way. I listen to you, and I get a lot of my information from you about the state. I appreciate that. You do a great job. Well, if, if there's only two organizations that report on it. So if you want it, you got to come to us uh, or the Tennessee star and the Tennessee star does a great job, but they they've got multiple States now that they covered. So their, their Tennessee coverage has been diluted quite a bit while ours is exclusively focused on it. 
but yeah, we there there are bills and things that have gone on in the legislature this year that I kid you not, Maisel, not a single solitary media outlet aside from ours has covered big stuff on illegal immigration, social media censorship, the whole nine yards. But, but back to this issue, um, cultural Marxism, uh, diversity, you know, uh, equity and inclusion seem to have really seeped its way into the church. And over the last two years, especially, uh, I've watched and I've watched it, that DEI and that uh, cultural Marxism stuff even creep into a church that I used to belong to. And in this most recent season uh, for two years, we really watched the church, in my opinion, uh, worry, I think, a lot more about pleasing each other, about virtue signaling to one another as congregants than we did going to, to worship God. And so that's one thing that really worried me, and especially as churches closed down during the pandemic. Uh, and didn't open back up, and number number two, that they allowed the government to even do it uh, if they didn't agree with it. We never shut down, pal. Well, I'm glad you didn't. Uh, too many did. But what are your thoughts generally about, about you know, cultural Marxism, DEI, and then also I'd like to just kind of hear your thoughts on what we went through the last two years and, and, and maybe what we could learn if something like this tries to roll down the pike again. Well, those of you that like to read the New Testament need to remember most of it was written in prison. You can't be afraid of what the government will do to you. Uh, that's why we didn't shut the doors. The doors were open. The altar was open. And I was in the pulpit every Sunday. If, um, if they said you only have 10 in the, in the center, we'd have 10, but we'd have breakout rooms with uh, iPads, phones. And at the end, we'd all fellowship out in the parking lot. But I was determined the government would not shut my church down. I know some pastor friends that would call me worried, et cetera. But I said, guys, um, this is a time more than ever the church should be open. Amen. And I know everyone said, let's just do Facebook lives from our living rooms, et cetera. And I, and I realized that. And we started doing Facebook lives. We've invested now in a nice camera. We try to do a better job with our with our stuff, but there's still something about saying the church is open, the altar's open, and uh, and I'm I'm in the building and I'll be waiting on you. I was very blessed. Uh, I took you know the vitamins, homemade hydroxychloroquine, um, and I was I've been healthy through the whole thing. I'm not a vaxxer. Um, I'll go ahead and put that on the table. I don't believe infection injections. So um, I had to learn to have code names because on, when you're on the radio or on Facebook and you say certain words, you know, the, the kids in their pajamas and mama's basement will, will fact check you. But uh, I believe, uh, Brandon, my heart is that the church has been purged. And I think what's happened is all the cool and all the, uh, the folks that were in it for maybe the wrong reasons, um, are, are the ones that needed to be exposed. The servants are serving. And um, that's just the way I see it. Uh, you can get mad or glad. I said on my radio show all the time, but I'm gonna tell you like I, like I see it. And I think too many pastors were more worried about what Fauci said than what God said. And uh, that was a mistake. I believe go it was. back, uh, tell your listeners to go back and study uh, Saul Alinsky, 
he was a Satanist that wrote the book Rules for Radicals. He's got eight steps to taking America from a, uh, a republic to a socialist country. He dedicated the book to Satan. If you read the front side of the book, the, the cover, because Satan was the first successful rebellion to take one third of the angels. And so, you know, Satanists and Luciferians, they celebrate that. There was a young girl called a missions. She went to a Methodist school to be a missionary. Saul Alinsky got hold of her and eventually got her to denounce her faith. And she ended up going into politics. Um, and, and you may know of Miss Rodham. Some of you know her as Hillary Rodham Clinton. He got hold of another young man in Chicago. His name was Barry Satoro. You know him as Obama. If you go back and do the research, a lot of your things that are coming out now, he died in 1972. But Saul Alinsky's impact and then dovetail and understand what progressivism is and modernism is and um, critical theory. Uh, everyone focuses on critical race theory, but if you just study the, the concept of critical theory with modernism and postmodernism, you see how those dovetailed and they intentionally went to the higher levels of education, our colleges and our graduate schools. They worked their way down to the high school, middle school, and now we're seeing in our elementary schools uh, what we're seeing. It was a slow game. They played the long game. And what the liberals did a good job back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s is they went after the judicial system and the education system. We didn't see it coming because Christians are so much into the, the now. We don't think down the road well. We're not good planners. Conservatives, by the time we started getting our act together and trying to come back or, or respond, they were voting prayer out of school and, and things in the, the 60s through the 70s and 80s, we were playing catch up when they had the long game going. So I'm saying that to say a lot of pastors, and I, and, I, and, I'm all, and I study the word of God, don't get me wrong, but I do like to study history, trends, and I like to understand why um, people think and do like, that's, that's the sociologist in me. You know, why does so many folks uh, do certain things? Uh, I was a guy at Walmart when everybody was following the arrows with my mask off going the opposite way just to see how people would, would respond. And you know what happened on a, a bunch of occasions, especially the men would take their mask off and come, hey, talk to me. Hey, man, why, why aren't you wearing a mask? I said, well, why are you wearing one? Well, I said, because Fauci told you to. Well, it's. I said, don't be brain. Mate, look at this. This looks like I'm a maze for rats. They had you <laughs> lined up walking through. And I said, this is nothing but mind control. Think about this, Brandon. They were pointing things at your head, your forehead, to check your temperature. There's other ways to check temperature. You didn't need to have a gun like an instrument to intimidate. And standing six feet apart, why? Because in the end times, in Revelations, we're told you will not be able to do commerce without having the mark of the beast, which will be on the forehead or under the arm. You'll be standing six feet apart, my friends, one day, those of you listening. 
I'll be raptured out, but those of you that don't believe in Jesus, you remember these words and they'll be scanning your head and you'll be at six feet apart before you're allowed to enter to do any commerce. They've already tried that with the, um, the vaccination uh, passports and their goal is to tie your financial and your medical records together in the cloud. And you guys probably heard this, they're already trying to say that your credit score will be affected by your medical. So, and I'll just step out one more, one more issue out there to, to see if we can make a liberal's head explode. When they go cashless completely, you'll be in line saying, hey, I wanna buy some ice cream. And when they scan it, they've got your medical records in the cloud. They've got your financial. Mr. Duncan, uh, you, you got uh, blood pressure. You, you're going to put that back. You can't buy that. Well, I would not, you know, it, it, every, it's funny how soon people forget what just happened. Uh, I don't forget. I mean, it was, it was traumatic to me when they shut my church and my gym down and when they altered my way of life, uh, when I led that protest on the Market Street Bridge. Uh, even my wife thought I was out over my skis and this was like, I just saw it come up. It was like March of 2020. And this is like just a few weeks into it. I was like, this stuff is not going to go away anytime soon. Everybody else thought it was two weeks. I knew better than that. And, uh, and, and, and it has all come to pass. Uh, everything that I thought that would have, because I, I have a, I have a sixth sense for, for bullies and I know when people are being bullied. And so that's, that's a lot of what went on. Here's the Tennessee Conservative, guys. We bring you news that no other organization will bring you. We're the only organization that covered anything on social media censorship. We're the only organization that is fighting in any significant way against illegal immigration in our state. We are one of the strongest advocates for school choice. We try our very best to keep Republicans honest on their campaign promises and we try to fight against the corruption caused by left-leaning corporations in Nashville and the bureaucracy that government has created that works against your interests with taxpayer-funded lobbyists. The only way we can do this, and I kid you not, is with your support. Nobody else is going to do it. If you're waiting on somebody else to be conservative in your stead, that's how we got to the point we are, and that's why we have so few conservative media outlets. So when you go to tennesseeconservativenews.com support, and if you give any amount, we will send you this proud Tennessee conservative bumper sticker. We will also send you this, please don't California my Tennessee bumper sticker. And we will send you a directory. And I hope this thing changes in the primary of all our state Republicans, uh, both at the House and at the Senate level, so that when they try to do shenanigans, you can call them and tell them to stop. And when they try to do good things, you can ask them to go forward. And finally, if you get $50 or more, or a recurring donation of $10 or more, you'll get this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. Now, this tumbler was made from the melted-down sword of Excalibur. It has magical properties. It will imbue you with superpowers. It will correct all of your vitamin uh, deficiencies. It also uh, cures most rheumatoid arthritis. And um, if you were to, to take this, and if you were to put all the campaign promises in here that are made on the campaign trail 
This also has like the Wonder Woman's magic lasso. It has the ability to get truth out of people. If you put most Republicans' campaign promises in here, which would fill it up to the very brim, and you close the lids and you wave your hand over it, and then you poured it out, you'd get about three drops of conservative policy. That is how magical this tumbler is, and it helps conservative messages and news get out there. Guys, I need your help. Go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. I'll plainly tell you, last year, we got our taxes back. I put sixty-five grand into this puppy. So when you say, well, I don't have any money I can't give, I'm going to have to call BS on that. Get in the fight. Give today. TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. I can't do it without you. Don't wait for somebody else to do it because it ain't going to get done. Shifting gears a little bit. We're just going to cover all kinds of stuff here today. Let's take a, take a few minutes to talk about homelessness in general and its current impact here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, on the one hand, there are individuals who are mentally ill, incapable of holding down steady employment of any kind. Uh, those people certainly need assistance. Uh, I believe it'd be a lot better if the, if the church and nonprofits gave it to them and the government. Uh, when you get charity uh, from an individual or an organization, uh, it, it, it makes you want to be charitable to other people. When you get it from the government, it typically makes you bitter and it makes you feel entitled and it, and it takes away your self-worth. On the other hand, there are those who enjoy a carefree lifestyle. They enjoy moving from city to city without any responsibilities on government assistance and charitable handouts. I mean, listen to Lefty Frizzell and Merle Hager. Like the, ho the hobo lifestyle is nothing new. I camp. I love to go out in the woods. I spend days out in the woods with nothing but just like whatever I can take. If I love to do that in an urban environment, I guess I would, I'd be in heaven. But I don't, I don't like the urban environment. And you look at cities like San Francisco, who are a perfect example of what liberal policies coupled with a homeless charity complex can produce. It basically turns the area into an urban hellscape that is abandoned by both residents and businesses. And I don't know that that area will ever recover. And so in Chattanooga right now, how do we balance the needs of homelessness, uh, people that are truly needy, with the needs of residents as it relates to quality of life, safety, uh, and dare I say, and nobody ever wants to hear this when you're talking about something like homelessness, but something as simple as property value, whether you own retail um, stuff up and down Brainerd Road or whether your house is just a few houses off of it, that's where I live. Uh, we've got a huge problem with that right now, and it's gotten exceptionally worse over the last eight years, and it's even been ratcheted up more so in probably the last 18 months. So how do you balance those two things? Uh, because I've seen a lot uh, being in Brainerd. I'm there. I live in it every day. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, you know, I go down every week and hand out supplies to the homeless. So I sit in the streets. I I pray with them and feed them and, and, um, and I, I cry with them. Uh, it'll break your heart. If you ever go down, um, I can take you down sometime if you ever want to go down. And, um, when you, when you, there, there are people that like to talk, they're not, um, just all bunch of drug addicts. Uh, people have such misnomers, uh, just like you and I, there's people that say, Hey, two white men over 50, they're racist. They're misogynist. I mean, they just go down a litany of accusations and they've never shook our hand. Same thing with homeless people. There are a lot of good people that have had bad situations happen. There are a lot of veterans down there um, sleeping on the streets. So, but the other thing too, Chattanooga is, don't forget Chattanooga Choo Choo. 
we are a transient town. So a lot of them jump the tracks and they ride from town to town. So we get a lot of, of that. The other thing, we're right here near the Georgia line. So if folks are fleeing from a, from a, from a, from a criminal situation that's not federal and they can cross a state line, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I understand some of that about the homelessness, but um, as I try to just tell folks, you know, what, what, what is a value? When you really think what's a value as a Christian, is it a soul or is it, you know, gold? You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to be walking on the thing we value the most. It's going to be asphalt heaven. So that's where as in the Christian church, I hate to say it, you've got a lot of Christian snobs, man. I mean, there are some people that uh, if you don't look and smell and dress like them, I mean, they'll, they'll give you the Heisman, man. That's kind of my thing. They, they won't even come talk to you. And uh, I'm amazed at people that in the name of Jesus, they really have got an arrogant spirit about them. And it, it just breaks my heart because Jesus tells us to be humble, right? And if we're humble and loving, um, I think then that produces integrity. So I call it the hill, H-I-L. We're always climbing that hill to be humble, have integrity, and to love. I have bad days. I have days I'm not as kind as I should be. But, you know, I've just found if I go and hang out, we also have a food pantry. We distribute food. We feed about uh, 4,000 people uh, a month now. And so up at the Appleton Food Pantry, we rent out two old grocery stores. And now we're open seven days a week. We get food donations from uh, all kinds of folks. See, we didn't shut down the food pantry either. During the pandemic or pandemic, whatever you want to call it, I was getting calls from St. John's downtown restaurant, Five Guy Burgers, 1885. Hey, I heard you're the pastor feeds the hungry. I've got all this food. They shut us down. Um, so I'm, I was driving all over town getting food, people doing food drives. Um, now that the, the race, Matt Hollander and Bill Hollander, big help. They helped me feed the hungry. They have for the five years I've been here. Um, and as we get folks to help me raise money, we buy food. Uh, and stuff, people starts coming. We got folks, uh, Brandon, that drive from Saudi Daisy, from down in Georgia, Athens, Tennessee, because they know they come to Appleton Baptist Church. We don't judge, and we'll feed you. And um, I get made fun of. There's people that will watch some of my Facebook lives and say, "What are those nice cars doing in line? If they can afford that car, but they've just lost their job." Their husband's hours got cut. Um, I get accused of being a sucker. I'll take that label all day long instead of a snob. You know what I'm saying? There's so many needs out there, Brandon, that I think we could meet. The Christian community, to me, has become so selfish and self-absorbed. We don't see the needs of others until we've met our needs first. And that's not the Bible. That's just me. I mean, you guys may see it different, but if I well, see then, my neighbor hungry so or neighbor, I guess the issue that there's, I think there's a combination. I think that, I think that number one, there's, there's obviously an issue that needs to be addressed. However, where I live, for example, I'm four or five houses off Brainerd Road. We woke up one night, three or four o'clock in the morning, some guys out in the bush, 
He's abducted a child. I've had like two vehicles stolen and left in my parking lot here in the last 18 months. Stuff that never used to happen. When you go up and down the street now, where I live, like it's it's embarrassing to to take people there. There's litter everywhere. There's somebody panhandling on every corner, even though there's ordinances that you can't do it. And then I've lived there long enough. Like there's some of them that I talk to. I run into them at Lamplight Liquor Store because I'm one of those drinking Christians. And uh, and they leave from panhandling. They go to the liquor store. They go back and panhandle. Some of those guys get pimped out. They can only work corners with certain permission. And up and down Brainerd Road now, you're watching through our corridor what was a, an area that used to be, you know, a skate mall that was coming back up. Now it's starting to look like broken out teeth up and down, up and down the entire street. That area is starting to slowly decay. You've got a huge hotel that's full of nothing and drug use and petty crime leads to larger crime. It's getting to where the area that I live is getting to where, like, it's not safe to live in. And that's one reason I'm leaving. I mean, something has to be pretty bad for me to leave my home with 15 years. And it's all of this stuff. I think Rudy Giuliani used to talk about. It. It's like the broken window theory. If you let petty crimes go unpoliced long enough, you'll you'll live in a, in an area that's not safe. And so I don't I, I don't think that that homelessness should be outlawed or anything. But there are some things that there has to be at some point there has to be a balance between uh, you know for example as perfect example there was. Uh, I went by Eastgate Mall the other day, and there's all these places that are for lease. And out in front of them, there are a lot just people sleeping out in front of them. Well, if you've got a building for lease and you're a small entrepreneur, and I've got guys that own little bitty shops up and down Brainerd Road that have been there for 20 or 30 years, they're having to close down because now they say that their clients don't want to come there because they don't feel like it's safe because they get heckled or harassed in the parking lot. And so there's like this I don't think there's anything wrong with being homeless. And I, and I think that, that you, that anyone that, that can do whatever they can to help should, but at the same time, like there's, I, I think it's going to Brainerd road's going to turn into Rossville Boulevard. If that's not cleaned up. Now they clean it up. If it's on mayor Kelly's property in Chattanooga, he had homeless encampment on his property and they, they clean that up at city expense. But if it's in my neighborhood, or if it's over in Brainerd road, it, it isn't addressed and it's getting to where Brainerd road looks like the walking dead depending on what time of the day you go by there. Maybe I'm just sensitive to it because I've lived there and I'm worried that my community is going to fall apart. I, I, I hear you. Um, let me just, I'm not diverting, but I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to take a loop. Uh, you've probably heard of George Soros, um, his open society. He owns 96 uh, shell companies. Um, 64 have a direct impact on America. For instance, he owns Dominion voting machines in 26 states now in America. A non-American owns voting machines in America. But I don't know if you're aware of this, he bought out the YMCA, Salvation Army now, Christianity Today magazine. What we have, what we have shown is that Christianity is for sale. And so what they're doing they're buying out these organizations, I think, to intentionally try to agitate the Christian community and, and compassion ministries, if you will. And I believe they're using homeless people as pawns because they're low on crime. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping Cody will change that. I, I, I supported Cody Wall because I, I don't think Pinkston was, because I'm, I'm a believer, if you do the crime, you do the time. So 
if somebody's wandering our streets, that's a pedophile, uh, a rapist, a bank robber, whatever you want to, he, and, but he keeps getting out because they feel sorry or the jails are full, et cetera. That, that's what's, I think what's happening is our judicial system. I mean, you got Keith Ellison that left the Senate to go to Minnesota to be a district attorney. You guys go look, if you look at what, if you listen to Mike Pompeo, his speech to the governors in 2020, he warned us about the CCP and their involvement in helping, even at grassroots, some towns, uh, councils, city uh, uh, school boards, up to, uh, and especially secretary of states that, that, that sign off on the election counts. Where I'm going with all this is they were really, and then dis defund the police. They, they, they're playing the long game on us, Brandon, in that they're getting our community so confused about what's legal and what's not, telling folks they can go loot, and uh, they've got insurance. You remember kids, kids were going in and just stealing and walking out the door. My daughter lives down in New Orleans, and she was in Walmart, and a guy went in and walked out with a TV and some stuff. And the employees were saying, sir, you didn't pay for that. He just, he just got put in his car and he drove away. Because it was under, there's now in cities like New Orleans, if it's under so many thousands of dollars, they pretty much get to walk. That's where we're at. So it's emboldened bad behavior. So going back to the homeless, a lot of these homeless people don't feel there's any consequences for bad behavior. And that's where we've got to start going back to having a, an agreement. But when you don't agree on what's right and wrong, see, that's when you go back and study about modernism and postmodernism. What's right for you may not be right for me. What's wrong for you may not be wrong for me. There's no plumb line of truth. So how do you control a society if you don't believe the Bible, for instance, the Ten Commandments? That, that's where I think it's, it's, it's just drifted down to our local community level. Because I'm a big, I'm a big proponent. I think uh, what they ought to do is is get more money back into the mental health facilities. There are people that need to be in a mental health facility. I also think we ought to have rehabilitation. You, hey, you're down on your luck. Let's help them have a place to live, help them find a job, help them maybe get their GED or a business trade. You know, have like a second chance program. And then, you know, but hey, if you if you get that chance and you blow it and do crime again, you do the crime, you do the time. So I don't know if that's a long answer and it answers your question, but I don't think you're a bad guy because you your property value is being being hurt. Um, I know churches that uh, because of the vandalism and stuff, they relocated their church facilities because the town, the community in which they live just got to be so crime ridden. They were trying to be compassionate, but the community got so out of control, they ended up relocating their facilities. I mean, I don't want to condemn folks if they have to make those choices, but I'm just a guy that still believes if you're hungry, I want to feed you. And if you need, you know, you need clothes, I want to clothe you. And if you're cold, I want to give you a blanket. Yeah. And the other part I will say, I, you know, I've watched what's happened in my community but I also grew up around uh, lots of welfare. Like it, it's pervasive in my family. Um, and I've watched 
sometimes I think it would be better for people to go through hard times than to get handouts so that they could have the self-esteem of having to put food on the table, even if it wasn't that much, because I have watched so many in my family uh, through government assistance, charitable assistance, people that are able-bodied, intelligent, good-looking, healthy, strapping young men, especially. Like I had, I had one cousin shoot himself in the leg to get the Alabama lottery, which is disability. And there's this pervasive culture of dependence um, that is an entitlement that is sweeping through our nation. And I worry it, it is so, and sometimes I think it's almost, it's like that book, The Tragedy of American Compassion. And sometimes I wonder, like, where is the line? It is very hard to tell. And I can see, like, for example, you know, we, we have the same panhandlers in our neighborhoods. And they leave panhandling, and the cast goes in the back of the Suburban. The crutches are shed. And then, like, and like the other day, like the people that were panhandling, they left where they were panhandling. They walked across the interstate and they just walked into a house, very, very nice house that just right beside the interstate. I don't know if they picked the house because of the panhandling or they started the panhandling because they lived in the house. And so you could make like, I mean, if you, I mean, just by the hour. And I've thought about going out there just to see how much I could make because I'm, I'm kind of a business person. I'd like to see what would work and what wouldn't. I'd split test it. I'd do variables. And eventually you'd figure out like what would make the most money. And if you can make more doing something that is almost identically the same to having a job doing something else, but you make more money at it. I mean, most there are a lot of jobs that's not on your feet doing something serving people for a living. And if you can do that, that even though it's illegal in, in, in Chattanooga, and if you can make more money, I think people will do it, and I, I don't slight them for doing it, but it does aggravate me that the government doesn't do anything about it, especially if they put laws on the books that are against it, and I've just watched in the drugs that have come into our community on Brainerd Road because of all this. It's just been, it, it has been, it has, it's been sad to watch it decay, and I don't know what the answers are, but it can't just be compassion without any thought of consequence because i think that is ultimately what happened in in cities like san francisco what's happening in austin texas and other areas is like it was like compassion with no end and the end is somewhere that doesn't look very good and really isn't good for anybody so i don't know what the answer is but it, it that is goes a back to your opening question pastors not want to get involved in politics and working with their politicians except in maybe ethnic churches Caucasian pastors have been browbeat by the Johnson Amendment. When you go back and look at that, it's just like people have been taught separation of church and state. That's not in the Constitution. And when you tell folks that, and I say, prove me wrong. You hear me say on my radio show time, prove me wrong. And I had a guy that was director of the uh, schools in South Haven, Mississippi, when I spoke at a church once. He, I said, if you find it in there, I'll buy you a steak dinner. Well, I met him uh, a week later, and he was hiding from me. His name's Charlie. I said, Charlie, did you find it? And this is what he said, Brandon. He goes, I've got a doctorate in education. I have been a school teacher, a principal, and now I'm over the school systems of South Haven, Mississippi. And I never read the Constitution until you challenged me, but I read it to try to prove you wrong, because that's I love doing that to liberals prove me wrong because I kind of trick them because then they have to find truth and I said well what do you think now Charlie I said it was a statement made 
by Jefferson to a Baptist assembly assuring them there would not be a Church of England again, where we made everyone worship. But they took his phrase, there will always be a separation of church and state. And this is how the liberals worked it. For decades, they kept repeating it and repeating it. And in the 1960s, in a Catholic busing incident, incident there in New York City, they brought that up and ramrodded it up, through the, up to the Supreme Court. And they repeated that phrase so often. Here's a guy with a doctorate in education believing it. With that said, you've got so many pastors that, and I, and I love my, my pastor brothers. They, they, some of them get offended when I try to lovingly nudge them to, to, to truth. But if we would get more involved and educate ourselves on the issues, understanding uh, some of the issues, our people, I think, would respect us more that we really live in the real world and that we have common sense, you know, but going back to your, 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 the situation here in Chattanooga, the homelessness, a lot of them live near two things. They try to live near light. So in the dark, they're not, you know, they, they've got safety issues and they'll try to live near food. We've got a soup kitchen downtown. If you go down to the soup kitchen, you'll see multiple tent cities in walking distance. And that's who I go and help a lot. When I take, uh, I take 150, 200 bags downtown and it's a, it's a Ziploc gallon bag with a roll of toilet paper, a bottled water, protein bars, a few other Slim Jims, crackers. People get real creative. And um, we, we give those out to people and it helps us have a conversation. And, um, some of them, you know, you go up to a homeless person, Brandon, a lot of them look down because they're a little embarrassed. And I tell folks, please don't try to take pictures with them. They're embarrassed. You know, that's not the time for selfies. But just go love on them. There was a guy down there this last Friday. He's been shot in the head. I don't know why, but he has slurred speech. He can hardly walk. And he calls me preacher man. And he loves when I sit down. I just sit down on the street with him. And we talk. Now, I can only hear, understand about every third word, but because I just sit and let him talk to me and I pray with him, um, that means the world to him. I don't know if we can get him a job. I, there's guys like, there's some people, Brandon, that just are extreme cases they need. I think that's when government handouts are good. Yeah, I agree. But then you go back to some of these guys that can work um, and they choose not to. And I know people that are on disability. I've got a cousin. If you're hearing me, pal, you know who you are. And I've got two guys here in Appleton that would work for cash only because they don't want to mess up their, their handout. They claim to have disabilities, but they seek jobs for cash. That doesn't sit well with me. Okay. I'm all for helping people, but I don't like helping lazy people. So well, here's I what I will do. I will, message. I will I will take you up on your invitation to get down there. Give me give me a couple of months. I'm getting into this new house and it's just chaos trying to get moved. I've I've never been stretched so thin in my life. Two businesses, two kids, two houses, and I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of all of it. And but I'll I'll come down there. I, I'll I'll take you up on your invitation. I'll come help. I'm a good worker, so I'll come down there and 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 uh, and help you out one day. 
So uh, before we leave, uh, thanks again for coming on here. Um, we got an upcoming show. We're going to be on Nuga Radio. I think that's going to be tomorrow. Uh, by the time this gets recorded and released, y'all will have to listen to it. Uh, well, maybe we can record it and put it out on the podcast uh, as well and simulcast that on our uh, podcast. But uh, between now and then, uh, tell us, uh, tell people how they can watch your show, listen to your show, uh, find you, follow you. Well, the Nuga Network just expanded. We are 96.9, but also now 99.7 FM. Uh, we're in the process of trying to buy up more radio stations to strengthen our signal and expand the distance. When we were 92.7, um, they were CBS affiliated and they would run stuff and the ownership. And so he, he uh, just did a clean break and went to a weaker signal to rebuild because now they just want to be a total conservative. The reason they contacted me is because I did a thing called the Red Hat videos. I used to do just conservative talk, and I would have 6,000 plus views, sometimes eight. Um, and then the election started coming up, and I got in trouble for leading the Pledge of Allegiance, asking folks to join me. I got, I got uh, uh, ripped by Facebook, and that's when I found out what Facebook jail was all about. So when they brought me back out of Facebook jail, I noticed my viewership was limited. Long and short, David Toulis was watching me. And he came to church one day and said, hey, I'd like to interview you. So he interviewed me. Then he um, said, hey, why don't you do a Wednesday show? So I started out with a Wednesday show. The ratings took off. So they said, hey, would you like to do a daily show? But it was in the middle of the day and it was kind of hurting my ministry here. So then they said, why don't you do the drive home five to seven? So I'm on five to seven, uh, Nuga Radio, uh, Monday through Friday. And um, I have the Patriot Pastor page, uh, the Maisel Duncan page, and the Maisel pa uh, Pastor Duncan page. Uh, the reason I have three is because um, when Facebook shuts one down, I try to have one that's available because I do talk about issues that no one else will talk about. And um, and I get the eye roll, but I always get that call from the pastors or from the church member wanting to know more. I even have politicians and I don't disclose their name. I've got five politicians that you would know their names that I've become their prayer partner. Because they know I understand issues and I and I truly care. Um, and I'll say this. Um, Senator God Gardenhire had me go up to Nashville and say the prayer over the Senate. And, and I don't say this to brag, please don't hear that. But I, I fasted and prayed. And when I, when I prayed, I said, hey, can we forget we're Democrats or Republicans? Let's just, can I just want to ask God to bless you. I got done praying and three of them got up out. This was during COVID times and hugged me. Others were coming over and shaking my hand. I thought that's what they did to everybody. So I go to the back and I said, hey, dude, can I take a picture? I've never, you know, I've never been here. And he goes, after that prayer, you can take all the pictures you want. I said, what do you mean? He goes, most folks come in here and pray at us. Not many pray to us. And he goes, uh, you can take all the preacher, pictures you want, preacher. <laughs> and I say that to say several of them have contacted me and asked me to be their prayer partner. And I'd say, that, say, pastors, there are people out there of influence. If they know one, you're confidential and you're sincere. 
they want us in their life so that we can help them. And they're making big decisions, Brandon, for, for, for the state, for the, for the country. And they need to know we care. Um, I may not agree with everything they, they say, but I want them to know there's a bridge I'll build with them. And I will pray for just about anybody. Um, so I just encourage folks out there. Um, there's a lot of great preachers out there. Um, I got to do an event with Pastor Greg Locke. Um, he, we're different. He's a screamer and a runner. I'm more of a calm, sit down speaker. But it was fun doing that event with him uh, and getting patriots together. And so um, when you get the opportunity to do what you and I are doing, we're communicators. We're different styles. But I tell folks all the time, you don't always have to listen to me. But if I can help connect you to somebody, you know, you know that, that's what we're about. I'm a networker. I'm not, I don't want to be the most popular guy. That's not my goal. I'm not trying. I don't get paid anything on the radio station. You know that. Well, neither I do, do I. I lost sixty-five thousand dollars last year. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's what I'm saying. You and I are servants of information, and we serve the people. I think that's why folks trust us, Brandon, because we're not. Uh, they don't. We're not snake oil salesmen. You know what I mean? Well, if somebody would buy some snake oil, I might sell it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, do, I I want to appreciate you because you do keep me post. You keep me updated on what's happening in the state. And uh, I you're one of my sources for state news and information because there's a lot of people. Well, you can uh, we got you can use our prep. show. You can use our show for show prep. Just make sure you, you, you just tell them you got it at the Tennessee Conservative News. So you can use that stuff all day long. Uh, yeah. I've got a couple of other radio hosts that have, have started uh, that have multiple stations that have started using us as we cover the legislature. Well, bud, we, we need to wrap up and get get this uh, home. Hey, but real quick, always send your stuff to the Patriot Pastor page. I have to approve it before it goes on, but I, I put your stuff. I always approve your stuff, so send it anytime, and I'll I'll put it on. Well, you're very kind, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, so go to uh, to search Patriot Pastor. If you actually if you search it, it pulls up pa Patriot Pastor Nuga Radio. If you put all three in there, uh, what is the website uh, for the station? Just look for Nuga Radio. I think I, I, stumped, I stumped Maisel. Uh, so yeah, if you enjoy, I'm, I'm just a I'm just a lackey. I don't really have any influence over there. I'm just I'm just I have my own show. Uh, Sab and David Tulis are the owners. Very good. Well, we're going to wrap up here, uh, guys. Uh, if you enjoyed this interview with Maisel Duncan, and I hope you did, uh, we're going to have a great show uh, coming up with the pastor. Uh, please do go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com, hit the subscribe button just in case the old book of faces, which has turned us down as well, uh, decides to turn us off. You'll want to get direct email and text alerts, uh, and you also can search uh, Tennessee Conservative wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis signing off.